Yo, get ready, let's debate, all relate Help me separate the good from the great From the glorious GPT, the sooner Scarface Mutated, no steppers, Dr. Dre Deep fake from Bionic Black Thought Or is it LLM, Cool J, the K-R-A-I-S-1 Maybe Big Data came Can't be Kanye on the mic, but remix the Elliot What happens when Android 3000 battles 50 sentient Could it be Big Pun, or maybe Cyber Snoop Or even AI Jimmy C and the Wigo Bomber crew it's the greatest rapper who never lived, Joe. Rap resurrected, how can this be so? One track at a time with the help of code. Does it get better? Check out the next episode. It's the greatest rapper who never lived, Joe. Jimmy C and Jason entering the unknown. One season, one album, 50 shots to your dome. Are we all doomed? Check out the next episode, huh? All right, ladies and gentlemen, hip-hop heads, those who worship at the altar of flow, welcome to the spectacular, dare I say, second episode of The Greatest Rapper Who Never Lived, a podcast where we take a nearly 25-year-old rap album about a Park District men's league basketball team (laughs) and reimagine it through the use of artificial intelligence. I'm your host, Jason Colton. I'll be guiding you down the runway tonight as we're about to take off. Sitting shotgun next to me, my co-host, rap ringleader, small forward, six, (laughs) three, my brother, Jim Colton. Jim, how's it going? I'm doing great. I appreciate you rounding up on my height. That's uh, (laughs) six, two and a quarter. But uh, yeah, six, three. If I say that you're six three then i get to be six one so okay. it's fine it's fine that's how that's how we work uh jim how's it going how you doing it's awesome man been uh just been diving in to this stuff and just enjoying uh, the process so far and yeah it's been an awesome ride can you uh tell me about any any feedback you got about our groundbreaking episode one well one thing i can i can verify you said our parents are gonna love this so two, <laughs> two weeks ago i spent the weekend with mom and dad down in Florida. Uh, shout okay. out to mom and uh, Big Dog. And I don't what think up? mom has listened to it, but but Big Dog has listened to it <laughs> twice. And he absolutely loved it. He absolutely loved it. So that was great. And he, I was with my my good friend Jeff, not who's not a rap head uh, at all. Probably further, couldn't be further from that. And my dad was basically imploring him to listen to the podcast. And uh, we did actually listen to it. And he did enjoy it, although he he didn't really understand the concept of it at first. And maybe a lot of people are in that same boat. But I think once he listened to it and understood it, he he really enjoyed it. So, yeah, been some good, positive feedback so far. And, yeah, I liked it. Big Dog liked it. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. Yeah, I mean, um, I think most of my friends, they said that the the gangster rap version recreation reimagining was that was their favorite. But I told him, you know, you, you got to see the whole the whole process, the whole album. Yeah. It, it's it, you're creating an entire work of art, a, a panoply of musical creation. Well, I think uh, the nice thing about that is getting the feedback is because I can I can take that version. You know, we just listened to a snippet of it. Right. But I can pull on that thread and just release it as a remix and see how it stands up. That's just the, one of the possibilities with this technology. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, for our, this. Episode two, I said it was spectacular. We have a special guest, M.A.T., the Duker in the house. Hello. How are you? The one and only, Matt Hyduke. 
Definitely what the up? one and only. There's no doubt about that. How are you guys doing? <laughs> What's going on, Duker? Fantastic. I mean, it's How's good, it going? Man. It's, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's We just moved. It's been a little hectic, but here I am. See, we haven't even put like pictures on the wall yet. So <laughs> it's been crazy, but that's life living on the east side. You know, it's never easy over here. Yeah, we got to <laughs> We got to dig into this. So we got to go there. Right. All right. So. All right. All right. Matt, didn't I didn't always one, didn't always live on the east side, did I? Yeah. Jim? Yeah. The Duker, one of my closest friends, you know, going back 30 years, yeah, 35 years. Yeah, almost. Yeah. So I, I basically lived at your house through my formative <laughs> years in yeah. high school, right? Let's yeah. just let's just go there. Your your family, your your parents, your mom, especially, uh, like a second family to me, like a second uh, set of parents. And I'm saying that there are probably at least a dozen other people that would say the exact same thing. Probably more. <laughs> Yeah, probably more. Probably they're more. spread all over the world, actually. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one one example. Uh, so you hosted a series of foreign exchange students, right, from Spain. <laughs> you don't all, even know the end of the story. Wait till uh, you hear the end of the story. Well, I, I think I remember. I think I know it. But uh, all related. I don't know how many. Maybe you just can you go there? Like how many of their, them so we, were there? There was, um, I guess we were freshmen. There was a, a girl who came over from Spain. Her name was Monica. We ended up hosting her younger sister, Christina, who was a senior with us. And then their younger sister, Marta, who was a couple years after. And then last year, my parents uh, had Christina's daughter, Martita, <laughs> there. Wow. And then there was, there was a rogue. There was another guy, Alberto, you may or not yeah, remember, yeah, yeah. who wasn't from that family. So... When we were in high school, there were three foreign exchange students. Two of them were the same family. And then we ultimately had four, four from the same family over there. That's, That's awesome. awesome. It's, it's like our, our, you know, a Spanish extension of our family. <laughs> it, it truly is. And like yeah. I said, like family for so many people, your, your house was on the West side and I basically lived there. It's a thing that kept me out of trouble, uh, kept me on the straight and narrow. There and I, I will say this, like the one thing, let's just be honest here. Like we, we you know, we were athletes, but we weren't like the cool kids, right? We weren't yeah. the party kids, right? <laughs> so what we revolved around a, a few things, one was just sports, love of the bulls. We'll get into that for sure. Uh, love of basketball, just any activity, any sort of competition. And it really like your house was really like a safe haven for the people that were like sort of on the fringes of the cool kids, right? The people that weren't really right. accepted in those circles because you, you and your parents, you basically accepted everybody. And someone like myself, who's like an awkward kind of 15, 16 year old, it just resonated with me. And yeah, I don't know how many times I just slept at your house. They never even like called home or anything. They just assumed I was, <laughs> I was there. Right. Jim's on the couch again. Yeah, you had yeah. you had like basically we called it Jim's parking spot. If you remember, like <laughs> yeah, exactly at the end of pull the, in, it was like Jim's parking spot. Yeah, because you lived on this like little half street in what at the time was really the upscale neighborhood of Geneva, Pepper Valley. Uh, but your house was kind of separate from the neighborhood. It was like a custom build, yeah. uh, as I recall. And yeah, it had a street that that just dead ended, and I just parked at the end there. And yeah, I apologize. Was was, a, was an amazing street an amazing place to, to live. Um, and it's funny cause as I was looking through your, you bring this up, your lyrics that we're going to talk about at some point, you 
put something about everybody at the Wego Bomber parties being naughty. And I was thinking like, <laughs> nah, not at, not at our house. They weren't. I mean, it was the most like straight laced, non naughty stuff yeah. going on over there. Yeah. Did you ever hear from, cause your mom was like totally on board, but like your dad was like, your, your dad would just basically be in his den, you know, playing his Tetris or whatever. But like, you know, I, I have kids that are all that similar age and, and I always said growing up, like, oh, I want to be like the the Duke house. Like, I want to be the place where people can come. And that, you know, that hasn't really manifested for really, really no reason. But like, not that we weren't open to it, for sure. Right. But do you ever get some estimate, like, on how much you guys spent a year on pizza <laughs> and soda? High oh, C and, uh, um, yeah. yeah, and Coke. And, man, it was a lot. But, you know, my mom's theory was always, you know, if people are having fun out here, they're not causing problems and yeah. you know about my dad who you know is kind of cut from a different cloth than my mom i think he was just happy i wasn't out being destructive doing something else so he was all <laughs> into it yeah. so yeah i mean it was it was it was really amazing it was really amazing like the whole thing was amazing we had such a great group of people such a great place such a great house for it we we're really lucky yeah i mean i honestly like my it shaped my life and it shaped the life of life of so many people i think the reason I've been able to do the things in my life is in large part because of the love that your family shared for me and for so many people. And, and they're still doing it, man. You guys go knock on the door tomorrow. They're going to be like, well, you don't, you know, you don't even have to knock. You just go in. So this is, my folks are amazing. They really are. And they're still doing good. And that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. So Jason, what do you, cause you're obviously a bit younger. Like, what do you remember? Cause I, I know I dragged you there quite a few times. <laughs> yeah. So I, I got a few things. Um, oh. Well, obviously, when you guys were hanging out in our garage and I was painting public enemy symbols on things, I, that's just like a memory that I have. Um, and if I recall, two, that was because Jim didn't stay at our house once. <laughs> but that's a whole other story. Oh, we can we can go there. But, uh, yeah. um, two, uh, I remember a you guys had a nine foot rim basketball league that you took very seriously. <laughs> I mean... Very seriously is probably putting it mildly. <laughs> People have probably gathered that from our last episode. But the one thing about your house, which was unique, is you had the driveway, like you had the garages were on the one side of the house and the driveway went like the length of the house. So yeah. you basically had this very, very flat, I don't know, it was probably like 25 feet of concrete um, yeah. just adjacent to your house. And originally you had one hoop on the side, which I helped you install. And then you had a temporary hoop on the other side of the driveway. So we were able to play basically full court basketball, <laughs> you know, on this, uh, on this hoop. And yeah, we played at nine feet till three and, in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But talk a little bit about the, about the rules of our, our nine foot basketball. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was to encourage the dunks, right? It was twos. And then we had a couple three-point lines. And then if you got an alley-oop, it was a three. And if you had an alley-oop dunk or a tip dunk, it was four. Yeah, so, tip-in was what, three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tip, what do we play? I think we played to 32 and we had, you know, it was basically three on three. So it was, it was I, I mean, that was incredible. I was thinking about listening to your first episode, how um, you, know, you guys kind of talk about how pervasive the Bulls were and how everybody watched the Bulls. And think I was thinking about like the number of, dudes who were on the wrestling team who showed up to play basketball <laughs> yeah, at the yeah. house to just to tell you how big basketball was at the time. You had, you know, guys who played, who wrestled, who heard about it and they'd come over and play. It was, 
It was awesome, man. I'm jealous of my I'm jealous of my youth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. And you said we played the 32. There was one yeah. summer we played the 33, if you recall. <laughs> because I remember that. Billy Olgies set up a com- basically a oh. computer model to rank and keep track of the players based on the teams and we recorded all the stats and he basically had a rank ordering, which I actually surprisingly, cause I was one probably literally one of the worst basketball players that showed up, but I ranked very, very highly in that. So part, they, part uh, two of that, that you maybe you're leaving out on purpose or not was the purpose of that was to generate a, an objective point spread, which we could then bet on. <laughs> which so we we had there was there was some backyard no gambling going on. Yeah, oh no, no, there definitely was. That was the whole point of that. I have to admit, when we oh went back God. to school, I guess probably the fall after that summer that we had to sleep. So we video recorded some of these summer basketball leagues, and then uh, Wego and I we actually kept we went back and looked at the footage and kept stats on some of these games. And one of the games we played to 50 or we played a few games to 50. And I actually had a, we actually had a 50 point game where I scored zero points. <laughs> but I'll, I'll bet you had a half dozen rebounds, Jim. Yeah, we won. We won. But I scored. Yeah. yeah. Everybody needs That's, a Dennis Rodman, man. Exactly. Exactly. That's so funny. If we're going to talk driveway hoops, so we got to talk about the tractor dunk. So, oh man. So Matt amongst our team, Amongst our closest circle, would be the only person who has ever had the pleasure of of dunking a basketball. <laughs> I have come dangerously close, uh, but never really. I, I can speak to I can speak freely because actually I have two great life regrets, and and I'm staring at two of the reasons right in front of me. So I've never been able to dunk a basketball. Came very very close. Actually, when I turned forty, I went through this effort. It's like okay. I'm going to take this effort to do it. And I got like three months in and I realized that it wasn't going to happen. Uh, even bought those strength shoes and everything. <laughs> the other thing is I've never been able to grow a decent beard and I'm staring at my younger brother who's just, <laughs> is just rocking this thing. So anyways, but outside of that, I've, I've lived a very, very charmed life, but Matt, you know, you, you high jumped in high school. Um, you threw down quite regularly on You were a terror on the nine foot hoops, especially <laughs> people would just clear the lane um, when they see you coming down the lane, but uh, yeah, I think I could jump okay. And I think you and I, we got occasionally we would do like dunk pig or whatever. We got into a contest with some of the friends, and I think at the end it became just you and me. And that's when the props started coming out. So you want to talk about the the tractor dunk? Man, first of all, I think back like you know I I I now need a double knee replacement. So I <laughs> wasn't tell this story, but no, no, man, it wasn't. But I don't remember the first time it happened. But at some point, we decided it was a good idea to drive my grandpa's little John Deere lawn tractor out <laughs> and uh, jump over that crossways and dunk the basketball. And I did it. I did it. And for, I don't, I don't think, wasn't it a wild, Jim, you eventually did it, right? No, I did it. You did it right away? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was, it really wasn't that tall, but it was like a, um, a high risk kind of maneuver. Cause <laughs> if you clip that tractor, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Thankfully, I don't think anybody ever hit the tractor. I mean, Jim, no. you and I were probably the only ones to try it. I think it, you so. and I were the only ones to do it. And I think everyone yeah. just begged, 
they just thought better of it. So yeah, I mean, we we that was that was about the dumbest thing we ever did out there, right? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like <laughs> living, you know, with with YouTube and TikTok now, people look at that and be like, oh, that's pretty mild. But back then, yeah. it was we were cut, we were cutting edge. Yeah, it was extreme. <laughs> extreme. Yeah, it was very extreme. The last random thing that I remember, I believe there was a summer. I don't remember what summer it was, where I think the both of you, your plan was to go to Dairy Queen every day, at least <laughs> once, because you wanted to be over 200 pounds. Well, I got there. Yeah, I got there. <laughs> I got there. Um, was that in high school or was that after high school? That had been in college. I, I was going to say, because I was like 140 pounds when I graduated high school. <laughs> but I live, I mean, I'm two blocks from Dairy Queen now, and occasionally... I'm one of the trips where I'm letting my wife go with. I, I love to tell her how we used to hand our garbage back to them at the Dairy Queen. I don't know if you remember that, Jim. We'd yeah, go yeah. through there and hand our garbage back. But yeah, Jason, that had to be. Uh, I don't remember that. So <laughs> sorry. That sounds perfectly perfectly plausible, though, right? We, well, if I really wanted to be 200 pounds, you might have hung out at your house because your mom was always bringing out cake and food and all kinds of stuff, man. Yeah, so... <laughs> So my mom worked at the bakery at the grocery store, kind of pretty close to your house, right? So yeah, we she worked there for what, like Jason, like twenty five years. Yeah, only missed two days the entire time. Wow. Yeah. So, but Matt and I would show up. <laughs> we're just like, we want a cake, right? And we would get a cake, and we would like just split that thing down the middle. <laughs> but mom was always she was so thrilled to see us, right? She was so happy to see us all the time. So it was. Uh, can you imagine yeah. how bad you'd feel if you ate half a cake? <laughs> I couldn't even. I'm willing to try it. and tell you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Duker. Yes, sir. We have we have on here from the the Wayback Machine Internet website archives, whatever. MySkills.com with a Z. Uh, Jim's webpage for this album, where there's a biography. I think ostensibly on all of the members. Yeah, you too, of, Jason. Of, of the team, me too, apparently. So yeah, we have that up here. Uh, your picture, uh, you appear to be giving the camera person a, the finger. I think it's, you know, it's, you know, it's funny about that. I just saw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did that a lot. And um, to be honest with you, I still do. Um, <laughs> not a huge fan of pictures. The reason I'm laughing is because I had to, I had to go get pictures taken for a new website for work because the old ones I had were 11 years old and I'm just not that guy anymore. <laughs> and at some point, this lady's taking these headshots and she's like, do you want to do some kind of pose? And like, <laughs> there's only one pose I know. So I've got these like professional like headshot pictures where I'm if you want a before and after, I can't before <laughs> after. pretty close. This was like a month ago, too. So that's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 you know, I regret that now, but uh, it is, it's an accurate depiction of who I was at that time. And still are. Yeah. And still. <laughs> but yeah, so we have some, some information on here that we'll, we'll get into, we'll weave it into as we go through the songs, because some of it is relevant. I guess I just want to start off with future projects. You have past the bar, exclamation point on here back 25 ish years ago. How'd, how'd that go? Set your sights high. Um, it <laughs> happened. It happened. And I did it on the first try, which is good. Cause I wasn't going to do it again. <laughs> yeah. This, this, 
when Jim did that original album and all this stuff, I was, I don't know, it was my third year law school or whatever. So it was, I don't know, it's just a process. If you know anything about law school, you know, it's just a pain. So I passed the bar and I've been licensed now for 24 years, I think as of November. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's okay. Congratulations. Look at, look at little past you. So he'd be so proud of present you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. But <laughs> I, I don't know that I'm where I wanted to be then, but at least I, I met that hurdle. I passed the bar and probably should have set my sights higher as far as future projects. So I think this is what you mentioned is relevant to this episode and this album. Like one of the things I wanted to mention is all that time we spent at your house growing up. Uh, I honestly, like you are the reason that I got into rap music. <laughs> well, I think that you're welcome, I guess. Yeah. But like, but like hip hop music, rap music was like basically the soundtrack of all the, all those hours that we spent. Yeah. You know, if we weren't watching a basketball game, you know, it was just, it was just constantly on even, even like, some of the silly stuff. Like we would make fun of some of the silly rap, like Chub Rock. And we would come up with a funny <laughs> dance to that. Or I remember, watching I remember UMT being at your raps. house. I remember being at your house the first time we saw the Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby <laughs> on Yo! MTV Raps right, right after school. And we were like right. rolling on the ground laughing at how ridiculous it was. And then, you know, a month later, it's a, a, a huge, a huge hit. I still remember all these like moments from, you know, whatever, 30, 35 years ago. It's just uh, just absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's it's crazy how... Um like back in the cassette tape era where you'd kind of put a tape in and it might stay in your cassette tape for like you recorded for like six months and it would just keep kind of keep going over and over and over. Cause it was, you know, we grew up a lot of times. If you wanted to hear a song, you might listen to a radio station for 12 hours to hear a song. And now you've got it right there in a cassette tape. So we're just going to run it and run it and run it. And that's, yeah. that's how I was with public enemy for sure. I don't, I must've listened to that, that, uh, P that first PE tape. I mean, a thousand times. Yeah. Yeah good stuff yeah on your all-time top albums uh you got some public enemy paris above the law your current heavy rotation at the time above the law boogie down productions the coup how does that reflect on the mat duker in the house today first of all i had to be lying because if this was towards the end of law school i was listening to a lot of stevie wonder too he should he should have been in there um, I still I still listen to a good bit of Public Enemy, to be honest. I mean, some of the newer stuff, even uh, Paris, not so much. You know, I'm a little older. His music's a little hard. The coup, I still plug into the coup occasionally just because, you know, they're amusing. And then they kind of had a resurgence with Bernie and kind of became, you know, maybe on the fringes of pop culture for a while. So didn't, they're, you, they're, didn't you have a, a bone stug in harmony phase? I, I might have. Yeah. Like like shortly <laughs> after high school. Yeah, they, they, I still listen to them occasionally. They're all right. They're all right. Yeah. I don't think that they aged very well. They were kind of like, you know, a little too singy, not rappy, kind of in between. I don't know. Yeah. It was there all right. Was, it was catchy. There was were catchy. two summers from like all the time we spent playing hoops in the driveway. Above the Law was like, they must have just come out of the album at just the right time because that was like the soundtrack for the summer. And you remember the other one would be MC8, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that was... Uh, that was huge. Like one of the summers that we played. Yeah. MC eight's still pretty good above the law. You know, occasionally I listen to that black, black mafia life, life occasionally, but it doesn't, doesn't grab me like it used to. Yeah. The PE stuff just, it just continues to hit hard. 
Rebel Without a Pause, I think is the greatest rap album of rap song of all time. I love Black Steel in the Hour of Chaos, man. Like he he came out with that in was it 88 or whatever. And everybody was like, what do you mean war and drafting? And like we've just been bombing to people since. So like that to me, that's a prophetic. It's a prophetic song. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And speaking of greatest rap songs of all time, you, me and our buddy Brad over <laughs> Christmas break, we attempted to rank order was it <laughs> the 600 greatest rap songs of all time? <laughs> People are going to think this is ridiculous now because they're going to say, why don't you just put them in a playlist and upload yeah. it to your iPod? Yeah. So you want to tell them about the Shizmix? The Shizmix. I don't, this had to be your idea, Jim, because I was never like the, <laughs> like the, the Excel list guy. But yeah, we, we got together like your, were we still on cassettes at the time? Yeah, Probably yeah. we were still on cassettes. We got together your cassettes, my cassettes. Brad's cassettes and we tried to put together the top 100 rap songs of all time and then we recorded them it made copies why because we we might lose this stuff and never ever hear these songs again <laughs> so I think I still have those so we had these yeah. like plastic cases, cases yeah. with with cassettes filled with with rap songs it that was, was 12 or 13 volumes I think we did over a Christmas <laughs> break we yeah. had to borrow a mixer from one of our buddies who was like in the band right yeah, Brad, I think Brad got somehow sourced a mixer and we were able to, because like we had never really done this sort of stuff before, right? Like prepping the next song, like we could sort of no. rotate who was going to prep the next song. And yeah, we, we were just went through it. In. Yeah, we, that, did that, that. we did that intro and it like, I remember it was like a happy accident. Like we landed on this like unbelievable intro song where we blended in two things and just ended perfectly. And we were all just like staring at each other like, <laughs> oh my God, did that just happen? <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, it was like the kids today are deprived of that kind of dark basement late night fun, right? Because it's, it's too easy now. <laughs> too easy. <laughs> too easy. I guess uh, before we get into 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 the the music and the albums, what do you remember from the year two thousand and when Jim first told you that he's going to make a rap album about the the Wego Bomber crew? What do I remember about the Wego Bomber crew around 2000? Yeah, it was. So to me, that whole time frame is is really difficult because it was so dominated by school. You know, when you're in law school, it just infects every facet of your life. And I remember at one point trying to explain to the people in the city that on the weekends I drive to the suburbs and play basketball with my friends and like they just couldn't. <laughs> comprehend that I would go hang out with people who weren't in law school. Um, so I don't even remember who's on the crew that Mark was playing with us by then. Right. Um, yeah. Jim, weren't you living in Evanston then? I think, um, yeah. I think we was still around then shooty, I think was on the team then. Um, man, it was like, it was all that. Like I, I used to tell people that like kind of watching pro wrestling and playing rec men's basketball were got, what got me through law school. Cause you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like a student. I didn't get good grades like you guys. It was just kind of gutting through that. And I needed something outside of the law school dome. And it was it was really the basketball and, and then occasionally watching Monday Night Raw. Don't ask why. Um, <laughs> it's it, honestly, man, I don't I, I probably would have melted down without the hoops. It was uh, life saving. Hey, I wanted to ask you this. Was it you that came up with the with the Weagle Bomber name? So this is kind of a, I don't know if I came up, it was me and Shooty had kind of been talking okay. about it. 
and it was like a some kind of a ridiculous plot to get Wego investigated by the the FBI. <laughs> okay, I, never, <laughs> I don't remember. I never knew that. So I'm trying to I'm trying to think like I think if we put a timeline together, I might have played a year or two without you guys because you guys went to a real school and I went to junior college and I was I think I might have jumped on a team and maybe shooty played a little. I don't remember because he was at UIC. So I don't I don't remember how this came about, but it was maybe Billy might have been involved, too. I mean, me, shooty and yeah. Billy together is kind of a bad combo. Um <laughs> So it was, yeah, it was something like that. And then I think we talked to you about the logo or something and you put the logo together and it was right there. Yeah. It's wearing so, the, it's I mean, wearing the jersey. So it was, it's version two of the jerseys, right? The first version was silver. Yeah. So Jason missed that. We probably missed that out on the uh, first one. So we had those, those are those black and old gold. Well, you know, we, had, we would get the East Bay catalog. So rest in peace, <laughs> East Bay catalog. But, <laughs> I think you you started getting in the mail and we would just pour through that East Bay catalog and just stare at all these shoes. And you could just like do the custom team stuff. And, you know, I was getting that up until probably five, six years ago. And so we ended up ordering these black and silver jerseys, reversible. And we ended up, we went to like a fabric store or something, right? And we bought this like silver iron-on fabric, right? <sighs> And yeah. I, I had made the logo, but it was very kind of crude because we had to basically cut out these major sort of pieces. <laughs> Another in, in dark iron, basement project, right? <laughs> iron Man, yeah. Yeah. And then the numbers, we had like a very specific font for the numbers, which we, I think we must have done them in cardboard and then traced them out or something like that. But the, the, the numbers were pretty elaborate as I remember them. But the, the logo was tough to do. And then it had the, the, just like the, the sweatshirt hoodie of the Unabomber and the sunglasses. And then right below it was the W and a B. And I think version two, which probably was the following year, we actually had like the screen print East Bay had sent them the logo, you know, and I had designed that and, and still holds up to today. So I, I mentioned in the last one, Matt, so I ordered this Jersey on some Instagram thing last year <laughs> and it was, and they sent the logo upside down on the arm. And I was telling Jason, like I emailed them and I was like, Hey, you know, this is, this isn't right. I need it redone. And they were like, cause it's just one of these fly by night companies. They were like, yeah, we'll, we'll redo it, but you'll, you have to pay us $25. And I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. So I still have this uh, upside down logo. He, he got caught anyways. Right. So flip them upside down at this yeah. point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, do, do you remember my favorite thing about those jerseys is like, we handed every, we were like 10 guys on the team at that time. And, uh, we, <laughs> We were so hyped. I believe we started those in like April for like a September basketball league <laughs> because the day they would open registration for that league at like August 1st or whatever, I would walk the like the stuff and the money in to pay to make sure we weren't going to get aced out of the league. So Reg would be like from August 1st to September 30th. And I was like knocking on the door every year. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome, man. It was awesome. All right, so uh, why don't we get on to song two, titled "Nothing But the Dog in Me." This is the the original. Uh, the MySkills.com website description for the song: the title track, a little Snoop influenced bounce. All men are dogs. Let's not deny it. Great copy right there. <laughs> Thanks. 2000, 2000, Jim Colton. Um, so yeah, what's when you 
first came up with this song, what was going through your head? Yeah, so I mentioned last time, like the first song we did was the Big Ego song, Big We Go. And that was a direct riff on a Dr. Dre song. Like I mentioned, like Weird Al Yankovic, just kind of a parody song that we were, ended up recording. So once I had the idea for coming up with an album, uh, this was actually one of the first, it might've been the third track that I actually, actually did. And I knew right away after writing and putting it together that it was, it was going to be the title track. So like everything sort of centered around that, that theme. But this song, it, it borrows quite heavily from uh, Snoop Dogg album at the time. I think it was The Dogfather, his second album after Doggy Style. So there's a lot of influence in there, both directly and indirectly. There's a song called 2001 by Snoop Dogg that is actually like borrows like some of the same bars from that. I just changed it around a little bit. And then I think that's most of that's in the first verse. And then as I got into it, there, there's this one actually kind of, it has like an arc and we'll, you'll see it as we get into it where like the second verse has a specific theme, like introducing sort of like a dog ish world. And then the third verse is, has this kind of men or dogs type thing and playing, playing up on that. And then there's the third verse goes into this final verse, which is actually like a direct uh, from a different Snoop Dogg sound song. And it kind of just like, like I changed one of the references to Duker in that verse and it just goes from there. And, and, and I actually like, I felt fine about that because like Snoop did the same thing to slick Rick and we'll get into that. Like he, the six minutes and the Lottie Dottie he had done in a lot of ways, it's sort of like homage to the guys that went before him and the influence mm -hmm. that like slick Rick had on him. So a lot of this is like a, I think an homage to Snoop Dogg and the influence that he had on me uh, during that time, I remember, I remember the first time I heard a Snoop Dogg was on the One Eight Seven, a deep cover uh, soundtrack. It was the first time he was really introduced to the world with Dr. Dre, and he was like the skinny, like seventeen-year-old kid, <laughs> just baby face, and he just drops his verse like "Creep with me as I crawl through the hood," and the the radio version, like the clean version of that, is I think it's just incredible and i was just like immediately drawn to this guy and when um obviously dr dre the chronic was just huge in the college campus and everybody was like super super eager for the snoop dogg solo album doggy style and that came out in 93 because it actually was right before i met sue and that exploded and i just like gobbled all of that stuff up so we were like huge public enemy guys but then like the west coast influence from like NWA a little bit. I wasn't so much into them, but like Dr. Dre and the chronic Snoop Dogg above the law. We mentioned their West coast, you know, that started to play a role as we got into that. So I think the one, one nice thing about being sort of in the Midwest and with this album is like, we didn't really have to pick sides. I don't know, Matt, you probably, <laughs> you probably felt that way too. Like when we, we were just sort of like equal opportunity <laughs> rap music. Like we like stuff from the East coast. We like stuff from the West coast. Like we didn't have to have any sort of beef or draw any sorts of lines. And I think through the rap album, like I tried to pick both sides and try to get a blend of all the styles and things that sort of influenced me. But this is definitely obviously very squarely uh, a Snoop Dogg inspired song. Like I mentioned last time I was like trying to call myself Snoop. Um, so anyway, so this, this song is really kind of my version of a Snoop Dogg song. 
Cool. All right. Let's hear a segment one, the first section of the right. old original, nothing but the dog in me. Super excited for this. All right. You ready, Duker? I'm ready. The day when the cow through my skills makes a little instinct repeal. Now stay focused, you're hoping, scoping out the scene. Watch the players hate and get hooked like dope fiends. You chase dreams that'll never come true. I create dreams, do what I gotta do, keep my bomber crew. Hope to sing out the streets. The Jimmy C, D O G, DJ Light It on the Beats. Amazing, right? I love this song. <laughs> this song is great. Yeah, I mean, this, yeah we got- this song, I love this song. It, it captures everything that I was trying to capture with this song. I think it still ages really well. Yeah, it just it just captures this sort of moment in time where this G-Funk gangster rap influence was just a huge part of of rap music and, and pop culture at this time. And uh, I was, yeah, I, I was excited to sort of capture that really kind of laid back flow um, in the song. All right, yeah, so uh, we, got a, we got a DJ Light It reference, which we talked about last time. Your DJ quote unquote, Dave Leitner. Question one. Is that you barking like a dog at the beginning yeah. or is that? <laughs> yeah. I was trying to go back and find out what these beats were and references were. I mean, I mentioned last time, Matt, don't turn me in or anything, that a lot of these were just <laughs> found on the internet and through random sources. But, you know, it was just a very straightforward loop. But then I added sort of that roof with a little bit of an echo and that, that, continues at the end of uh, every every loop and i think it works it works pretty well here yeah that was that was me awesome i love it mat the duker yes sir when this album first dropped you first heard this song and you hearing it now maybe for the first time <laughs> since <laughs> no, then. No, i don't no, know i don't yeah. know how much uh, uh give me give me some thoughts uh both well, on on jim both on snoop dog you know so you know i i can't listen to this without having these visions of jim sitting at the place in um in evanston you know like barking into a tiny little microphone <laughs> with a 10x cd burner and that goofy program that i think i turned jim onto at one point that either would like it would like an embed an audio click clip until you paid for the version yeah. or it had some weird thing. We could only repeat it so many times. So I kind of hear it kind of brings me back to that. So I, I think that this is a good song so far at least, but I, I really wish Jim could like have the microphones now that he had then, because like you could tell the vocals are a little tinny, but I also know like Jim was uh, like, on the forefront of what was available at that time for like, you know, something you're doing in the living room in your studio apartment. So yeah, we just made, we made do. And I actually like the software was very similar to like software I'm using now in terms of like just editing and splicing wave files and just like looping beats over and over again. I think that base technology hasn't changed a whole lot. I never really got into sort of the music production side enough i didn't really know enough about it to get into it but yeah just like looping the beats and like adding different elements and different samples you could do it all within that uh within that program so it was uh it was a lot of fun and it, you know to your point 
Jason and I talked about this a little bit, but one of the great things about, I think, rap music in general, and this rap album, and even especially even this AI album, is I think rap music allows for some like escapism in, in a lot of ways. Like you could you could really take on a different sort of persona. And I think that fit given like we had a basketball team named after a guy whose nickname was basically like his alter ego. Right. <laughs> uh, so, so I think for me, always been a pretty risk adverse, like straight and narrow in school, never drank, never did any of that sort of stuff. You know, it's a, a little bit of just like getting out of my own personality a little bit, or maybe taking it to a little bit of more of an extreme. Uh, and talking about some of these themes, because one of the things, like even with this AI album as well, I wanted it to be viewed as a legitimate rap album. Like I didn't wasn't expecting to like become a rap star, but like I wanted people to view that song just like they would view any other rap artist. So in a lot of ways, you had to sort of play that game, right? You had to sort of take on that persona, and no one wants to hear about us rapping about like suburban life. watching espn at night yeah exactly exactly so third third time of sports center coming around yeah yeah. all right uh why don't we get uh segment two section two all right it's where it gets good we slip and we slide the east is my side full ride you'll buy call ill pride i and i don't deny it's jimmy guy full health undercover stealth like a spy with persistence with fight resistance i receive the gift to give you what you need build for speed be ready it's your turn i'll be some mix of stomach churn so pay attention learn to respect the game they might respect you back not the fame the women or the cadillacs was that brad in there yeah they might respect yeah. you back yeah I really uh, like that part, that, like uh, the the interplay with rap music when you could bring in the second guy and you can keep the flow going, but then the second guy can come in and just add a little bit of emphasis. I really love that to respect the game. They might respect you back. Not the fame, the women, or the Cadillacs. Like that. <laughs> That's, it's a good uh, line. It's a good it's, line. It's a good line, and it still holds up Holds up today. And, uh, of course, we got the, you know, back then, you rappers just like to spell things. They're big <laughs> on spelling, big on the letters. It worked out really well going to Illinois considering their chant is I L L I N I. So that fit that fit in here really well. Oh, the one thing about Jimmy Guy, this is just a just an aside, just like very minor thing, but it made its way into the album. So DJ Lighted, our buddy Dave. So I think he was really the first person that would just call he would only call me Jimmy C. And that that started early on in college, and that's just all he went by. And then that sort of just caught on. Um, so as I was starting this rap album, actually, like even before that, so later on in college years, he was talking to some girl who sort of knew our circle of friends. I I didn't know her very well or whatever, but uh, she's like, "Yeah, what? How's that? Your one friend, uh, Jimmy guy." <laughs> So and he got a kick out of it, right? Because he, he would only call me Jimmy C. So he mentioned that to me. He got a kick out of it. So that's the reason why Jimmy Guy is in this oh. uh, in this song. Completely obscure reference. Deep I cut. Come. I had yeah, no it. idea. Yeah. Where else are you going to get this <laughs> other than the greatest rapper who never lived podcast? Deep cut. Any thoughts on on that uh, section, Duker? Well, I mean, obviously, I don't relate with that ILL stuff. Um, <laughs> Your dad went there though. <laughs> Having gone to a, an academically superior school, directional school in DeKalb, 
Um, no, it's a it's a good verse. It's catchy. Uh, you know, the Cadillac thing probably wouldn't have been okay 10 or 15 years ago, but they're making a comeback, so it works. Otherwise, you know, you might as well have been talking about Buick or something like that. But they're back, so it's so, okay. So, Duker, you always had this love-hate with the University of Illinois because your dad went to school there, and he was really big into the orange and blue, right? And he, I think early on, probably high school stuff, he would take you to those games, and you were – Probably an Illini fan for sure. Yeah. Uh, but then as as we started to go to school there and you probably got tired of hearing your old man talk about <laughs> it, like like you sort of were like hated on them. Right. And obviously you went to a different school. Yeah. I mean, I think hate's a strong word, but yeah, it wasn't my team. And then, you know, you got your dad over there who thinks it's the greatest school in the history. Like, you know, it's like Harvard or something. <laughs> So, you know, maybe I'm a little oppositionally defiant, but um, <laughs> there's no hatred to the Illini now. I mean, I took my kid to an Illinois game last year, so you're rooting for the basketball team, especially since, you know, my guys at DePaul have decided to stop playing. <laughs> so, you know, there's 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 no, I, I guess maybe I was a little mean towards Illinois back in the day, but there's no more of those feelings. So, I mean, if, if my kid grows up and goes to Illinois, I'd be really proud of him. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace, uh, like- jo- Joey Meyer, while we're at it. Oh yeah, I like that we're uh, going back and inhabiting your the mental psyche of nineteen year old Matt Hyduke. <laughs> it was it was a it was a rough place to be, man. There was not a lot of middle ground on anything. <laughs> All right, let's hit let's hit up section three, please. All right, so section three. This will take us into the chorus, and as I mentioned last time, like we have to truncate the verses quite a bit for the new version. So most of this, actually the first verse in a new version ends at the Cadillac line, which I think flows really in well as a last line into the, into the chorus. So, and so I'll, I'll play this section, but none of it's in the final version or the new version. Cause the game is like late form of struggle, they're impossible to juggle. So don't even bother, Word. unless you got the gift that I got. The one that made the crowd hide the rock the spot. I keep the bodies moving from east to west. Stress for success, be at your best like KRS. My philosophy is to be the one and only Jimmy C. So here's the key. I look inside and listen to nothing but the diggy dog in me. But the dog in me. Bow, wow. Nothing but the dog in me. Bow, wow. This is Jimmy T. Nothing but the dog in me. Bow, wow, wow, yep, yo, to the yo. That's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it cracks me up every time. It's all about the hook, right? It's all about the hook. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we got we got an east to west side Geneva reference. West to east side, maybe we can change the <laughs> lyrics for, for this iteration. We've got a KRS My Philosophy reference. Yeah, let's go there. Matt, you probably the biggest kind of boogie down production <laughs> KRS-One uh, fan that I know. I mean, you you turned me on to them, but you talk about them. I was, I was just listening to KRS-One. Yeah, I mean, it was, I don't know how to describe KRS-One. Like KRS-One was was um, sort of like Chuck D with, with somebody who used rap to sort of talk about topical issues and some of them were political, but kind of issues that maybe weren't making the news every night. So I really enjoyed that, you know, hearing things that I, I'm not going to learn about in Geneva high school. 
And and Karis one was great about that. And you know, Boogie Down Productions and and their early stuff was just it was just amazing. So there's there's still not anybody like Karis one out there except kind of the old crusty Karis one who maybe should go away a little bit. But <laughs> I mean, oh, it was so good. It was so good, wasn't it? Yeah. It was great. Yeah, it was just like so. The beats were just so straightforward, just like straight boom, simple. Bap, and it was just. You know, he talked a lot about like the history of hip hop. Like he was, he was like this encyclopedia of, of how hip hop became what it, what it was. And obviously he was a big, big part of it as well. Yeah. We, I just remember, you know, anytime a new BDP album came out, <laughs> we would pour into it and it was, all, it yeah. was so different than everything else that was out there for sure. Yeah. And they had a, they had a, they had a few catchy songs, not a lot of stuff you would just like sort of listen to for months on end, but. I mean, you go back and listen to a lot of their stuff. It's great. It's still great. Yeah. So I highlighted East to West here because you, <laughs> yeah, one of the few people, most people are trying to get out of the East side. Uh, at least that's, that's the, the, the story, the narrative. We call it the dirty East side. Now you've moved from <laughs> the West to the East and are currently living on the East side. Your son goes to the grade school that Jason and I went to Harrison street school in Geneva. Yeah. Right. And maybe you could maybe just talk about like, what is Geneva like? What is the East side like relative to what it was back in the day? Are, are the more things have changed, the more that they're the same. What would you say? I would say it's a completely different town, man. Like the kind of the more affluent aspects of the town have been magnified probably tenfold. And I ended up on the East side because when I um, went away to law school and then I got my first job and decided I needed to leave my first job and moved out of Woodstock, there was affordable housing on the East side of Geneva. So I moved into a townhouse. You guys know this, everything kind of East of the river was small, historic, you know, all the subdivisions were going up out in the corn and, you know, now all this stuff is getting torn down and they're building giant houses over here so that the town has changed just tremendously because they've built the huge subdivisions, but they're also tearing down <clears throat> all the smaller in town houses. So it's, uh, you know, my wife was telling me today she was speaking to a teacher from, I think, Mill Creek School who was saying that they're possibly going to close one of the middle schools because the age of the population has gotten older and young families aren't moving in. So it's a it's a bit of a crisis if you ask me because it's a wonderful town but you know I've kind of discussed with my wife before maybe moving somewhere that was kind of like the Geneva we grew up in where <clears throat> you know you knew everybody in the school and you know hey maybe this year I want to be a varsity soccer player so I'm going to join the soccer team and that's the <laughs> end of that it's those those days are gone I mean this you know, there's a lot of, a lot of the newer people who are trying to compete with some of the more North Shore sort of stuff and I, I get a number of people who I talk to who, when you say, you know, I live on the east side, who don't even know where that is because they live, you know, miles and miles out west. So we love it here, but it's just, it's not the same town. It's not the same. And I, and I suspect the quality of basketball is lower as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's uh, keep it rolling here. Yeah. So, Section four. so Matt mentioned Brad, Money B. So Money B is sort of the the wingman on this song. So the first set of bars here is a little bit of back and forth uh, between Money B and I, and I think it works it works really well. Yeah, so we'll get into that. This is the start of verse two. Jimmy C, the pick of the litter, like D O C. No one can do it better. Never bitter. I eat milk bones for dinner. 
better on the great had to call me the winner. Wake my tail, chase a male, balk, get a girl, free the pound, put it down all around the world. My DJ cuts the record down to the bone, while the steel double rocks the microphone. And if the strays always try to follow me home, leave me alone, fool, this is a play of dog zone, don't you know? No, so what's your story? You should have known, because I marked my territory. I love it. I love the, uh, like you just said, the interplay between you and Brad. You know, I love the, it's very overtly Snoop Dogg. Uh, I love all that. Uh, can we talk about, you, you make a, a DOC reference. Talk about DOC. I, I, I like, it. that makes me nostalgic. That I mean, the, the DOC was a, you know, a friend or a protege of, of Dr. Dre and his crew who came out with, with exactly one album before he got, I think, in a motorcycle accident and trashed his voice. And he appears later on some uh, um, Dr. Dre stuff kind yeah. of as a gimmick. But that that album called No One Could Do It Better, I, back in the day when we read magazines, my dad used to get Rolling Stone, and Rolling Stone happened to show up at the house, and it had this review of No One Could Do It Better that was just, it just like glowing, like about how incredible it was. And I, this is, you know, back when you couldn't like test run music, you just kind of like, you know, went and bought it. I walked from, you know, our Pepper Valley all the way down to the old Rose records across the river <laughs> here on the east side, risked my life crossing that river. <laughs> um, and, you know, probably put the only eight bucks I had down on that cassette, took my Walkman with me, which if you guys remember back in the day, you get some wonky batteries as you're walking. It's like, wah, 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 and walk back. <laughs> Listening to the DOC and oh, I must have listened to that cassette a thousand times. It was incredible. And then, you know, he uh, just a, a, a guy who never had a chance to blossom. He had kind of a very uh, raw sort of um, style that was it was it was great. And he's, you know, one of those people who kind of for for all intents and purposes kind of got lost. I, I think of him as sort of like a, a first round NBA pick who who's like has a career ending injury after a great rookie year. And you're just thinking like, what, what might've been. And I think the combination of that album, like that, you know, Dr. Dre probably considered the greatest rap producer of all time. Like he brought his chops on, on that album. Like it was really, really strong. Like you could just see they're both earlier in their careers, but you could just see the potential that the two of them had together. Right. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was just a tragic, thing that happened to him and and i think he still played a role like you said he was he had a role and i think he probably wrote quite a bit of songs for dre and for snoop so he still had influence there as well is is it the dr dre um there's one of the skits in the chronic where it's like the game show it's just silly right but he, he's one of the contestants on the the pyramid game show album but you can actually see at the very end of it if you catch it he actually calls Snoop Snoop instead of his uh, his name on the game show is like Booten Lee Farnsworth. He's like Snoop Snoop no oh Booten Lee Booten Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and they kept it in there. Yeah, I, I encourage anybody to listen to that. Those I always thought those interludes were pretty dumb, but that was uh, that was pretty clever. Until you learned it was the doc, right? I mean, a very scratchy voice yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah. You you made a point like when we were first toying with this AI, and I was sending it around, and you're just trading texts and stuff around like what if this technology had existed 25 whatever years ago when the doc had had his accident like he he could have you know you basically could have reimagined 
the doc, right? I mean, you could even go back today. I felt if like, and think like all these probably lyrics he had in his head or had on and on paper that never made their way out into the public. Like he could probably reimagine them and like we could reimagine what the doc's second album would have potentially been like if he hadn't gotten an accident. I mean, that would be pretty, that would be something really. Yeah. Be neat. All right. How about section five, please? See me smash this, running loose with no leash, no fleas. Release, getting chased by the police. Who's a boss? Like Randy Moss, a receiver. I go deep and get it, like a retriever. Coming tonight to save you, like a reliever. Kiss the fever, make an atheist into believer. Vicious as hell, got a wagging their tail with the Bow Wow Dubby style, yeah. Fetch the paper, read the headlines, see me. No one can touch the Jimmy C. Count the three. One, two, three. Yeah, it's nothing but the dog in me. But the dog in me. Bow wow, nothing but the dog in me. Bow wow. Yes, we had we had the spelling before. We had the counting. One, two, three. <laughs> On this one, classic. We get a Randy Moss, the receiver reference. Randy Moss, huge at that time. He was played a marshal, I believe, and drafted by the Vikings. I uh, I remember winning a fair amount of middle school and high school fantasy football uh, leagues, getting some money off my friends, basically on the Culpepper Randy Moss combo. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so Randy Moss, I think did he set the record for most touchdowns by rookie? Something like seventeen and something like that. And then he had twenty, twenty-one touchdowns. And then him and he was on the Patriots, and him and Tom Brady connected. As far as these old references, I actually have like a filter when it comes to sports and pop references is I asked my 16 year old son, Luke, like, do you know who this person is? And if he doesn't, then I think then we need to dive in. He actually knows who Randy Moss is. So I think it, uh, okay. it is a signal of sort of the impact that he had on culture. Because I think he I think the, I don't watch the NFL anymore, but I know it's very much like a passing game now. But like he really changed the game, this sort of like. Just throw the ball as far as you can, and the six foot five guy will jump up and get it. I mean, how many times did, would would he do that? And you would see it, and it was sort of like the air would get sucked out of the room. Like everybody would like collectively hold their breath because you just he was just doing stuff that no one had ever seen before. It's also a, a perfect example of of a, a guy whose career path today would have been different, right? If I remember, he went to Florida State, got in some kind of trouble, ended up going to Marshall. I think it was Florida State. Yeah, he was, I think a, maybe it was going to go to Notre Dame, too. And then Yeah, either way, the, with the NIL money now, that, that guy never <laughs> ends up at Marshall, and he probably plays whatever the absolute minimum is to play before he bounces to the league, right? So it's it's kind of a, he's kind of like the picture-perfect guy to, to illustrate just how much college, the landscape of college football has changed, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, he's, I believe he's on TV now. He's on He's one of the 12 guys on the desk for whatever, <laughs> whatever channel saying his two lines in the six minutes that, uh, that he can speak. Star six producer section six, please. One, two, three. You agree. There's a dog in me. And if the dogs in you, they say, Woof. let's raise this roof and come strong like a 180 proof. Hey, hey. This verse is for the ladies. I'm telling you straight up. So don't hate me. They always mad at the man. Never seem to understand. I always bounce from a boyfriend to boyfriend. Check it out. That's like a that's a straight Snoop Dogg 
verse yeah. right there. So we verse two, we mentioned the sort of the theme and the arc of this song. The, verse two started getting into this element of like this world of like dogs. Like what if the world was like all dogs, you know, um, and some of the references there. And then verse three is really all about this like, okay, men are dogs. Like let's just accept that, explore that dig deep into that like that scene as sort of an insult but like what if what if it was sort of accepted in society or or if women learn to accept their men as dogs like what would that look and feel like so that's what kind of what this sort of explored uh verse three that's some scathing social commentary for the year 2000 <laughs> jim colton that was pretty clever <laughs> i i just like that we're we're inching to this everybody's a dog coming about the guy who's singing about the group where literally everybody's still married, <laughs> you know, like, like Jim married to somebody he met in college. I mean, I haven't married that long, but I met my wife in like, you know, 23 years ago. And you know, like you get Greg Wilson was on our team, gets married at like 19. He's yeah. got kids in college, still married. I mean, it's, it's sort of like the, the undoggest group that there was. <laughs> don't, don't tell people that. Don't tell people. All right, sorry. I don't want to wreck the illusion. Yeah. We're all dogs. We're all dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Got to keep the street cred up. There you go. All right. Let's hit section seven. All right, section seven. The truth is, every man is a dog. We're trying to change him. He ain't nothing but a dog. So, knickknack, shake attack, give your dog a bone. Put him in the doghouse, he'll feel at home. You say that men are dogs? Well, true that. Quit complaining and go get your man back. There's a deal, Jimmy C. Always bringing on the real with a display of skill. Like the man of steel. Drop the bomb. Six minutes, doggy dog, you're on. Uh, Slick Rick, the show. How how much of an influence was was Slick Rick on you? I, me, not so much. I think, but I, I said it earlier. He had an influence on Snoop Dogg. So, like, even in this, I think this song that I might have borrowed from Snoop Dogg, he had this. It was a song. He had a song called Six Minutes, and the chorus was like Six Minutes, Six Minutes. So that that brought that piece into it, and actually that last verse um that where this goes immediately into it uh we're not going to play it but i it's it goes drifting so swift and smooth how many mcs make the whole potty move like i do and there's a there's a duker reference there we go straight pimping and the duker hit switches that's in that last <laughs> section <laughs> you, know, you can make the cut you hit a lot of switches yeah. in your day uh duker i'm assuming you're talking about in the car that i didn't have a license to drive till <laughs> i was like 24 years old <laughs> So again, yeah. persona, alter ego. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. persona. Yeah, you're just bouncing yeah, on those like six fours. My Subaru Outback now, like you should see it. You should see the switches <laughs> on that thing. <laughs> There's another reference here we got to talk about. So when I say knickknack shack attack, give your dog a bone. A very, very respectable rap effort by Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> uh, and I think he cha- he actually changed that line from knickknack paddywhack, give your dog a bone. I think he did a song with Das Effects. To knickknack, shack attack, give your dog a bone. So there's a little bit of a nod to Shaq. I know you got skills, I believe is the name of that song, which pretty decent song. It still holds up pretty well. So when I was uh, coaching my son's baseball team um, when, back when we lived in Chicago, and we would do workout sessions and practice sessions at our house or elsewhere, I use that as an opportunity to just drop like nuggets of knowledge of just like old school hip hop. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you had to, you had to keep it clean, right? So you had to find rap songs that were kind of clean. So like I, the Shack Shack album was on that playlist, and it would come up, and I was like, anybody know who this is? Like I always kind of quiz the guys on a team if they knew who the artist was. Uh, you know, so maybe some Beastie Boys in there. You know, some of the some of the milder stuff. But yeah, a little bit of Shack. And it was like I remember thinking just a few years ago, like, no, this is actually pretty decent. Um, pretty decent album. So good job, Shaq. Did you have that album, Duker? Any of Shaq's so. albums? <laughs> I remember Shaq. Yes, I did. I have one, and I thought it was terrible. He he had he had a couple early songs that were pretty good, and then he kind of got yeah. out. Would he start calling himself Shaq Fu or something at some yeah. point? Mm-hmm. And I mean, he just kind of got to the point that maybe he just needed to go back to slam slam dunking basketballs. I really like this line in here, though, about like, you know, there's there's the deal. Jimmy C always bring it on the real. Like, I thought that part came out really good and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But like, that's where that's where I think the AI is not there. Like, Jim, you kind of nail that part and it's got a nice flow to it. And I don't you know, I don't think that's replicated very well in the newer version, that sort of stuff. I, I really enjoyed that. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, Jim, taking that very Snoop-driven, Snoop, an uh, homage to Snoop, uh, what were your your know, your prime directive for what you wanted Suno to do with it, basically? Yeah. So this this was honestly a tough one because I still think that that song still resonates really well it still fits sort of that original kind of Snoop Dogg feel. Cause even like, like Snoop Dogg's career has really evolved since these days. But I would say most people will say that, you know, his first album was his, his best and every subsequent album sort of has gone a different direction. So when people think Snoop Dogg, they think doggy style or they think the stuff that he did with Dr. Dre. So this one, this one was going to be very difficult to try to do an updated version with that exact same style and I tried and I honestly like I it just sounded like a poor man's version of the original oftentimes yeah almost to the point where I never really got to anything that I felt remotely close to doing so there were a couple a couple threads because this obviously was one of my favorite songs and it was the title track so it was one of the first songs that I started plugging into the software and started to play with so I was able to get sort of an old school kind of version of it, which I, I liked and I thought it was going to use. And I kept going back to it and kept going back to it and actually created like full versions of songs, but ended up kind of scrapping them because it just wasn't exactly what I wanted. So I have this new version. It isn't really the Snoop Dogg G-Funk thing because I just don't think that's possible. But when I heard this new version, it made me think of like an updated Dr. Dre song. And that was the one thing that sort of drew me to it is like, Hey, I think there might be an opportunity here. To just take this in a more modern direction, but still with the West coast, Dr. Dre kind of tinge to it. So I'll play a few versions here that were sort of, will show sort of the evolution and some of the, like we talked about the prompts last time and the different versions that you'll get from those prompts. So before we play the, the first version, just so you can get some variation and I can talk a little bit as we go into it. I'll just play like 10, 15 seconds of each one. So this first uh, iteration, I just used the prompt rap anthem, which I mentioned last time when anthem was seemed to work quite a bit in some of these earlier versions. Oh, and actually I want to play the 
I want to play the second verse of this, um, and it, I'll, I'll let you know why when we get into it. Friends, skate. Jimmy C, the pick of the litter, like DOC, no one can do it better, never bitter, I eat milk bones for dinner, bet on a gray ham and call me the winner, wag my tail, chase the male, bark at a girl, free the pan, put it down all around the world. So the reason I play that, that sounds exactly like Black Thought from The Roots, if you know The Roots from, <laughs> they're the, the house band for Jimmy Fallon, but like, I don't know, Matt, like I, we never really listened to The Roots growing up. They're sort of like live band rap. But about five or six years ago, Black Thought did a seven-minute freestyle on that Sway. Like you see YouTube videos of people doing going on a radio show and do freestyle. It is mm -hmm. unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And I, hmm. I've gotten more into Black Thought in recent years just from that one clip. I was like, man, this guy is amazing. And I would say like he is a very, very strong MC. Uh, so I would encourage folks to uh, to look into the roots and some of that stuff. He did a, I don't know if this is a solo album, it's like a joint album with a producer or something that came out a year or two ago, and I had that on pretty heavy rotation for a while. But yeah, that when I heard that version, that song, I was kind of running with that for a while. This is like one of the first songs I put into Suno with that rap out anthem. And then when I heard that second verse and that kind of Black Thought influence, I was like, oh, I'm going to run with this, I'm going to run with this. But then I ultimately ended up going in a different direction. So the second one is called Hip Hop Anthem Lyrical Flow. So I was trying to get a little bit more uh, flow into it. Uh, so I will play that here. The dog. Been ready for this game since the day I went to college. Build my skills, make some things, stick with pure knowledge. Stay focused, you're hoping, scoping out the scene. Watch the player haters get hooked like dope fiends. You chase dreams that'll never come true. So that obviously drastically different, but uh, <laughs> a little more modern, a little more modern. And then the, the chorus is actually really catchy. So I was never able to get the chorus to match. Uh, first of all, I think whenever I try to do the parentheses and the bow wow, it spit it out as it just rejected. It. I think maybe because of a little bow wow or is like it, if you reference like existing lyrics, it will just give you an error message. Only every once in a while was I able to get the bow wow wow yip yo to the yay, but never in some sort of workable fashion. So I ended up, you'll hear the new version, like the the chorus had to be completely changed, which is sort of a shame because I think the chorus um, is one of the strengths of the original original song. But that the chorus for that song is like, I got the dog in me, the dog in me. That it's it's actually pretty cool. All right, so this third version is rap anthem upbeat lyrical flow catchy and i think again i was trying to grasp for something to uh to uh to actually you know create a song as i was trying to create a, a newer version of this song So really, really kind of upbeat, you could tell, like that brought that element into it. Again, I was just really kind of grasping for straws in some direction to, to, uh, to take this song. So anyway, so I landed on this one. It's called Gangster Rap, Upbeat, Catchy, Smooth was the prompt that I used. And you'll see it takes it in a completely different direction, but I think it, it hits real well. So I'll, I'll play the first 
verse through the chorus and then we can discuss for this game since the day I went to college Build my skills, mix of instinct with pure knowledge Stay focused, you're hoping, scoping out the scene Watch the player haters getting hooked like dope fiends You chase dreams that'll never come true I create dreams, do what I gotta do And keep my bomber crew, dopest thing out the streets The Jimmy C, D.O.G, DJ Light on the beats We slip and we slide, the East is my side Full ride, you of I, full of I-L-L pride I in I, don't deny it's Jimmy Guy, full health, undercover stealth like a spy with persistence. Despite resistance, I receive the gift to give you what you need. Built for speed, be ready, it's your turn. Our beats can make your stomach churn. So pay attention, learn to respect the game. Respect your back. Not the fame, the women or the Cadillacs. It's the Jimmy to the sea. I'll play Nothing the first part of the next verse, too. The Jimmy to the sea, he's the pick of the litter. Like the DOC, no one can do it better, never bitter. I eat four milk bones for dinner. Take down a greyhound and call me the winner. All right, so that's the new version. I'm interested to hear what, what do you guys think. What do you think, Matt? I mean, I don't like eliminating the betting on greyhounds reference for taking a greyhound <laughs> because, like, you know, the dog tracks were great. I mean, I don't know if you're over there. My mom used to sneak folks into the dog tracks before they were old enough to go on their own. I mean, it's just, <laughs> just a just a beautiful, beautiful place. And you eliminate you eliminate the betting on, on Greyhounds reference. So I, I when I was redoing this verse, I, I, only, I only changed a few words, but some of the things like that didn't really exist back in that is sort of the internal rhyme structure. So I just started thinking about like, well, if I were to do this slightly different today, you know, down and greyhound and never beat her. I eat four milk bones for dinner. Like, and this is one happy accident. In that one black thought version where it says my DJ cuts a record down to the bone. I was trying to get more emphasis on two. So I just like, I submitted it with like capital T O and he said T O the bone. But then the next line says, while well, the D O double rocks the microphone. So I, I heard that. I was like, Hey, that actually <laughs> works. So then like in every version after that, I introduced the, down T.O. the bone while the D.O. double rocks the microphone. And I think it actually, uh, I was amazed that I discovered that 25 years later. I guess that, like after hearing all this, and I don't know how familiar you are, familiar you are with the whole Suno process, Matt, do you have any like questions about like how, how the, it, any of it works or like hit Jim's process with like, how many times do we think he's entering in different prompts? I, how many thousands know, of prompts are going by? So it's funny you say this. I, um, I'll make this story short, but I used to, I have commissioned several, as we talked earlier about, you know, musical, I don't know what you want to call them, songs off of Fiverr in the past for various things. And uh, one of which was a, a boat. I had a boat and I was trying to have this like, booming song that made all the ladies know that the party was on this boat so i bought this boat during oh, the you're, pandemic you're, for, you're giving me grief for having an, an alter ego so so bought this boat during the pandemic it you know it's called the hermes it had a scarf from the hermes in paris and it was parked it, our slip was where everybody going to the big boats had to go buy our boat so i'm like we gotta gotta come up with this just song that's just obnoxious anyhow Long story short, I was in November, I went sailing with Steve Schutte, our buddy, to Catalina on a nice boat, and I let him listen to my 
song that I made for the boat that I don't even own anymore. And he's like, this is great. And then, you know, they've been drinking. So they played it like nonstop. This, this song is obnoxious. <laughs> so I had actually tried to experiment with Suno AI to write a song about Captain Steve kind of as a parallel <laughs> to the other. So I, I have some experience with it. I, all I know is that it's obvious that Jim's put a lot of time into this because you kind of like put stuff in and it spits out like a 30 second clip or whatever. And you yeah, that's great. And then to get it to keep going is not super easy. So um, I know this is like a labor of love for Jim. It can't be can't be a quick process, even though he makes it sound very quick when he talks about it. It does. Yeah, it does. I, I mean, if I'm being honest, I think if you look at the history of all the times I've submitted jobs, you can go back in time. I would think probably 45 percent of the jobs are related to this song. And I think it's only because I, mm-hmm. I really, really tried to get it right. And I would even say after I came up with this final version, I was still submitting versions of it. Uh, and actually, we'll get into it later, but I would hear like good beats coming out of the stuff that I would submit for this song. And I was like, oh, I might be able to use that for a, another song down the road. I think that fit actually fits that song better. So that process has actually helped kind of refine prompts that work, prompts that don't work. Yeah, so I think it's been a part, a lot of this trial and error that we talked about uh, last time. How much, Jim, how much time do you think you've put into this song? Like, if you had to quantify hours, how many hours has this been? No, not much time at all. I mean, maybe half a day total or something like that. I mean, you you probably know if if, uh, something that it spits out is worth iterating on. Yeah, the, the the problem that I've been facing that's been a little bit frustrating is sometimes you'll submit a prompt and you won't get any lyrics. And actually that seems to happen when you get like the best beats. So you're hearing like the first five seconds of this beat and you're like, oh, this is great, this is great. And if you look like the first time you submit, it's a minute 20. If you look and immediately that song is a minute 20, you kind of know there's a pretty good chance that it's not going to have any lyrics. So then I end up just kind of skipping to the end of it to see like, did it ever start the song? And that's like that happens, seems to happen more and more as I've been trying to get more sophisticated with the prompt i think it does really well on simple prompts like if you just want like rap anthem or like old school rap it will give you a song so i don't i'm actually kind of migrated back the other direction which is just like hip-hop anthem rap like keep it simple and let it give you Mm -hmm. the variation across styles and stuff and you might just hit something as opposed to like getting super specific on the prompt and you know half the time or like maybe 30 percent of the time it doesn't even give you a song to, to work with what do you um what do you think that this this reimagined updated version does that your previous version doesn't? Well, again, I, I sort of see it as I, I think of I, I very much hear like modern Dr. Dre in this. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why I ended up sticking to this. It's just like, okay, I think Dr. Dre, you know, is West Coast influence, like his career obviously has matured. Um he's not you know, he's a billionaire, right? I mean, he's, his, his life has changed in a lot of ways, but, um, some of the stuff that he done, um, recently, I think it has a similar kind of feel to it. So yeah, I don't, I just think the, the old version probably will never be matched. I probably will continue to toy with it and see if I can strike gold at some point, but yeah, I mean, before we go there, I'll give you my, my opinion, but you know, last time we kind of asked, you know, if you had to rate, the old version, one to ten scale, relative to the other songs on the album, uh, and I guess also one to ten, just in terms of how well it's aged over time and how well does it hold up today. And then the 
the new version, like one to 10, how does it compare to the old version? So uh, I'll start with you, Matt. You're putting me on the spot. I don't think I've heard the rest of this album in total, you know, in a, in a few years. So, I mean, comparatively, I don't know. I think I think the the original recording was good. I, I would probably give it an eight. I, I like the original better than the new one, to be honest with you. I think the new one kind of loses some. The, the, the original is a little more lighthearted. The new one is kind of coming at you, which I know is probably more the style, but I don't I don't know that I like it. I, I would love to hear you redo the old one with the old music and updated equipment, I think is where I'd want it to go. So I I give the old one or the new one like a seven, but I, I really like the old one. Yeah, Jason. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I pretty much agree with Matt. The, and like having a, a spot on the album, the original was like clearly your homage to Snoop Dogg and like how much he meant to you was like clearly evident. So I, I think that's like a little bit of what the new one loses. Right. But I, you know, just musically, uh, like the new one, like you said, more modern Dre, I, you know, I, I like in my personal musical rap listening, you know, like more of the chill stuff is at least the, with the, the beats and the actual uh, instrumentation of the song. I think I liked better on the new one, but I think I liked your, the way you handled uh, all of the, the lyrics and the flow in the original. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say 8.5 on the original. Great song. Uh, still like to listen to it. Let's go. Let's go 7.75 on the new <laughs> yeah, version. It's got to be a little granular. higher than me, right? We're I, I a little think granular. The, the AI, to me, the, the vocals and the AI kind of come out here and then they just sort of stay here. Where in your yeah. other one, it kind of, you know, you can kind of change things up as this song kind of yeah. goes on. And I don't think that's a function really of, you know, any prompt you're putting in there. I think that's just where AI is now. So, yeah, that's a good point. And this may evolve. I mean, I would. I would say both your points are fair and I, I agree with them largely. I mean, I think this, I would say this song is, you know, an eight and a half or a nine, the original version. And it, would, it was just going to be very difficult to beat. And I would say the the most telling thing I did hit on it a minute ago is like, I was still like submitting jobs for this song, even after mm-hmm. this version that you just heard was already done. So to me, that just spells like it's, it's missing some element or like it might be out there somewhere. And I'm, I want to see if that's still possible. So I think I will continue to kind of play with it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's one of the beauties of this technology is if I strike gold and stumble on something that is, could be potentially a better version than the old one, or just hits on some of those elements and um, that you just touched on, you just swap out the old one and bring in the new one. And it's, uh, (laughs) it's a brand new thing. So that's, that's the awesome thing about this technology as opposed to like, there's never really an end date right you could just always continue to revisit it uh, i think taylor mm-hmm. taylor swift's kind of doing that with her her old stuff just <laughs> remastering and reimagining hey there's one thing i wanted to touch base before we before we uh wrap up so <laughs> a lot of this this just this process has given me i think a, just an appreciation of you know that old just old school rap in general and then just the process of putting all of this stuff together, hearing these lyrics, even with the new voices and the new flow 
there's a lot of like cleverness in there. And I think it's, you know, it brings a smile into my face just thinking about everything that went into that original version and everything that's kind of being reimagined and, and re-energized with the new version. I actually, I've been writing rap songs. So I mentioned, uh, I wrote a Christmas theme rap song about the movie Elf in the last episode or on Christmas <laughs> Day. And with my golf podcast, a Driven Golf Podcast, uh, plug for Driven Golf Podcast, check it out. I've actually been writing short, like one, two minute rap songs for each guest as sort of a parting gift. And I have to believe I'm the only golf podcast that is doing that sort of thing. <laughs> right. And uh, the people that I sent them to have like been really super appreciative. And in a lot of ways, it's like the first time I did one, it was for his name's Kai Golby. He's a golf course shaper. His dad actually won the Masters in 1968. Really amazing. Oh, but but what? his career and his life, he's always been the guy behind the guy. Like that that was his decision. Like he's always been the guy that's behind the scenes, and he's really really well respected by his peers and just the quality of work that he does. But he's never like seeked out the limelight. So we had a great time and have really got a you know I've known him for years, but just to get him to know him on a different level. So I wrote him a rap song that again that sort of gave him this alter ego of, of like. You know, what if he was really the guy that was like pumping up his work? So that was sort of the theme about it. And he he got a kick out of it. And then, of course, like the guy I had the previous episode was like one of his closest friends and a fellow shaper. So I had to do him and the last one I did. So uh, I've done like five of them now and I want to go back and do all the back catalog. But I think it's it's actually been a lot of fun to write rap songs. Like I, in a lot of ways, I think like I still have the chops. Like a lot of these songs like I wrote the song in like a like half a day. And it's just like the, whatever the lyrics just kind of come to me. And that's been, that's been fun. And I think when I did this first album, I did the 15, 14, 15 songs and I was like, Oh, I'll just come up with a second album. And I, I tried to start that process and I got nowhere. Like I poured a, like my heart and soul into this effort and just, I was done. Like I just, all my creative energy went into this album and now I'm finding sort of that creative edge, just like being through this process. And I, I feel like super appreciative that this technology exists and I'm able to just plug into this creative side of my, my life, you know, just for a half hour before bed or, you know, on my lunch break or whatever the case may be. So all of that said, in the last 24 hours, I learned about UK drill rap. And wrote a UK <laughs> drill rap song. Matt, do you, are you aware of the genre UK yeah, drill rap? Yeah, I am. So it's it's all on YouTube, my man. Oh, okay. I have no, I had no understanding that this was a thing. I've heard. I know about trap. I know that's popular. I w couldn't really describe it. So, anyways, so I have uh, an upcoming guest for the Driven Golf Podcast. His name is Chris Mason. And he is a golf instructor, one of the top 50 golf instructors in the country. But he grew up in the UK, played golf at Purdue. Um, and now, like, he's, like, global. Like, he has PGA Tour players and LPGA players that are under him. He teaches out of San Diego, California half the year. He spends, like, a couple of months in one of the greatest golf courses in the world, frankly, on Long Island, National Golf Links of America. And he's starting up in a golf academy in South Korea. So this guy's just global, right? So 
I thought to myself, like, I'm not going to have too many guys like this on my pod. So if I'm going to write a rap song about this guy, it probably should be a UK drill rap song. Like, so I spent a little bit like last night just getting educated, just listening to like a Spotify playlist on U- UK drill rap. <laughs> and it's very, very different. Like it's, it's very, the, the flow is completely different. And started getting the hang of it and then started submitting some stuff to Suno, just a, you know, background information about this guy trying to get it in there. And it really wasn't, it really wasn't working well at all. Cause I was just trying to follow like my own, my old kind of traditional kind of rhyme structure. And it just would, it was either too slow for that or just choke on stuff. But, but then as I learned, I just started like throwing more and more syllables into these lines and it was starting to make, starting to make more and more sense. And I was, the more I was listening to it, the more I was uh, getting a hang of it. And yeah, I actually wrote a UK drill rap song like in less than a day. And I never, never had any exposure to UK drill rap before. So it's just like that never would have happened without Suno AI. Like it never, it would have taken, it would have taken me a year to like process that stuff and try it and see what works and try and like the trial and error stuff. It just speeds up the creative process. Uh, so I think, as I mentioned last time, like a lot, you know, it's part AI, but a lot me. And, but just, it just speeds up the process in a way you're able to get to a final product much, much faster than you ever would. And I think that's probably the, the potential that this technology has for like, I would say real artists, right? Like real creative people in like getting to that finished fashion, or maybe, maybe like trying things that are a little bit outside of their comfort zone, testing it out with AI and see if it works and then tweaking it from there and then making it their own. So anyways, I want to play a little bit of the snippet of this UK drill song. So this is the uh, first time it's heard anywhere. So. Pre-Christmas, man's an ace cleaner than new Air Force Ones. Take it in, don't help you win. Four balls and four songs. From the UK making his way to California and Southampton. I can't explain every swing I'm playing. He sees the future, man tells fortunes. Shouts to Chris, nobody can diss the number one boiler maker. From the UK, he stay, he steady, printing paper. Lizzie's the Benz, West Coast to West End, yeah, stacking stacks. Dollars or quids, answer this quiz, may be racking racks. There you go. That's my first attempt at a UK drill song. Matt's got a strange look on his face. You nailed the accent, Jim. I don't understand what he's saying. Well, the funny thing is, neither do I. And I put those words in. So I actually looked up a website that had a list of UK uh, rap slang terms. And there were like 100 of them. And 80% of them were either about violence or drugs. Uh, so I, I tried to use all the ones that weren't the other 20% um, <laughs> that were sort of relevant to the topic and tried to incorporate them. So there are a lot of terms in there that I was not familiar with at all, or like you could kind of get where they were going with it. They're just like very shortened versions of how we would describe something. What um, what was that movie you loved when you came back from London? Snatch? Yeah, yeah. So you tried to get me to watch that once and I got like four <laughs> seconds into it and was like, I don't speak Spanish. Um, that's how I feel about that. I caught a little, I caught an Air Force One reference and yeah. then that guy sounds like he's having a good time. That's all I know. <laughs> so anyways, I think that's the thing is like, you know, I'm going to have probably 25 guests over the course of the year. So I think you want to be pushing in different uh, directions and make it sort of customized. So uh, I think it'll be a, a, a unique way to get some exposure uh, to the pod and, you know, I mean, who doesn't like a 
a rap song written about him. Like that's a, a pretty uh, unique gift to get. <laughs> I I thought you were gonna say uh, the weakest link. So <laughs> snatch. Anyways, I've certainly uh, it's not really a musical genre that I'm familiar with. The the flow differences pretty prevalent very different type of flow for sure that being said you know you're going into about the different applications of ai for various people now musicians or otherwise ai in the news uh, a few things uh first thing you can just go on bing right now and uh they have ai image generator right just built right into the search engine they have like an AI helper thing that that can help you go through that. You don't need to sign up or anything like that. Also, uh, for new Windows 11 laptops, Microsoft has added a new key to the keyboard, an AI key, AI help me button on all new laptops. So being our local legal expert, all the issues <laughs> I keep people out of prison, man. <laughs> That's what I do. I keep drug dealing. No, I help the, I help, I help the people is what I do. Absolutely. Yes. You know, there have been a lot of different groups of different artists, groups of different musicians. Uh, obviously the writer's strike, a lot of hesitation over getting replaced by AI. What what is your uh, professional opinion? Well, you, you know, legally speaking, the the sort of the battle with AI right now is a, a battle over over uh, intellectual property, right? Like, so Jim's writing these stories and he's saying this can sound like Snoop or this could sound like Dre, and AI only knows what Snoop or Dre is because it's taking their copyrighted works and using it to influence what Jim's doing. So. That's sort of where, you know, law is really bad at like figuring out where things are going. It's 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 sort of very reactive. But right now, that's kind of where the AI battle is. And it's it reminds me of the early days of rap with the sampling and the scratching and stuff. And it's like, you know, you had those early samples of like James Brown everywhere. And there was there was like, uh, you know, an argument like, how are we going to deal with this? And they they eventually sorted it out. But that's going to be that's going to be like a really interesting area to watch, because in theory, the right lawsuits in the right places could be, you know, shutting a lot of these bigger AI engines down uh, and making them kind of regenerate everything. But I I suspect, and I could be wrong that this is, you know, it's going to end up where the only people who are going to be able to do AI are people who can pay the kind of copyright claims, just kind of like, you know, with music now, people just kind of pay, they use samples or whatever they pay. I think that's probably where it's going to go, but Man, it's going to be the Wild West for about 10 years, and we're not really going to know how it's going to shake out till later. So I, for on a personal level, what 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 I'm interested to see in AI is like when you get involved in, say, like higher levels of financial markets and trading and stuff, and you get to the point that it's just the AI buying and selling <laughs> from the AI. Like, what yeah. do we do then if you don't have the right AI and the right buy sell sell signals in like entire economies could be collapsed for reasons that wouldn't happen now, you know, kind of like you're, you're kind of like kicking a domino at that point. So yeah, anyhow. Yeah, that's interesting. And there was actually a New York times article this week where they, they just put in like generic terms on chat GBT and it would spit out 
like basically spitting images of copyrighted images. So like a, mm-hmm. a cartoon sponge and it looks exactly like SpongeBob. Uh, there, there's no doubt that that's going to be a problem, but that, that doesn't shut AI down. It's just going to put the most powerful AI in the hands of the, the biggest sort of corporate and like Google's, you know, you're going to probably have one or two sort of AI engines up the road and they're the ones that can pay all that stuff off or pay for the use. Yeah. Um, it'll get consolidated, but you know, legally speaking, the way lawyers are trying to use it is, is, uh, as a search tool, you know, you've got, we have a, we have a huge database of public cases, you know, going back hundreds of years and that all that, none of that's copyrighted, but if you're trying to find a very specific case about, you know, a red horse that ran over a blue fox or something, you can now use AI to scan uh, an entire body of cases where before it was more like a Google search where it gets you close and it would take hours. So it's going to be interesting to see how it develops sort of in the practice of law. But I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I guess, yeah. you know, they've been, they've been telling me the computers are going to take over the world since the seventies. So <laughs> <laughs> the, well, the other interesting thing I think is related to this is I think just in the last couple of weeks, Microsoft actually surpassed Apple in terms of largest market cap uh, for any company. And I think it's because of the big bets that they made in AI and people believing that that will pay off in the long run. And I think similar to what you talked about with the with the keyboard, it's going to be the year of AI, 2024. And it's a lot of companies, I think they're kind of, they want to stumble over themselves or they're, they're busy stumbling over themselves just to kind of show that they're into it. Even if they're not, it may be going exactly the right way. And it's even, you know, it's, it's intersecting both areas, both the big areas of my life. Cause it's actually in golf. They're marketing golf clubs that are basically designed with AI and they're, it's actually in the name. Like there's Callaway, like AI smoke drivers and AI odyssey putters and stuff. They're using it as a marketing term. And that's, it's going to, don't you think that, you know, not just golf, but the other stuff going to set up a huge sort of uh, market and a bunch of transactions for look, like, look, if you own the intellectual property, you don't have an intellectual property problem. So if we want our AI to be able to generate a Dr. Dre sounding song or design a golf club that looks like whatever hits like whatever, if we, if we buy the company that owns those copyrights, all of a sudden we can do that. And those guys can't. Yeah. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's going to see it's going to cause a huge consolidation of of intellectual property, I think. So you you think Dr. Dre is coming after me with this song? <laughs> no, he could. Right. I mean, he could in theory. Yeah, so you're 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 like 500 plays on SoundCloud. I mean, this is big money. You're on a podcast saying specifically you want it to sound like him. So I don't <laughs> oh, I don't represent guilty people. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, certainly a. Shining beacon for our future. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting stuff. We're on the forefront of our possible demise, and it's interesting. It's a change. It's all going to be a change. I don't. I look. I don't think it's ever going to replace. You know, like the Rolling Stones, or t- you know, take the biggest artist, Chuck D comes along, somebody like that. AI is not going to be able to sort of be the next big thing because AI can't really take things in a different direction. It can only kind of do things based on yeah. the directions it's mm-hmm. already seen. So, yeah, I, I mean, I can see that even in the songs that I've written through AI. It's like it, you could ask it to write a rap song about this topic. It is going to be very, very basic, very, very middle of the road. So if you're bringing the nuance and the creativity and the that inside joke 
you know, wordplay into the thing that you know only no the AI is not going to be able to capture that at all. The, at the best writers and producers now are going to be the best writers and producers on AI. It's just a new, another tool for talented people. Yeah, I think you just said I'm talented, so I appreciate that. <laughs> I also said you're guilty. <laughs> yeah, Matt. As we wrap up, I wanted to mention one thing about this. Uh, I wanted to bring you on early on. Uh, you're not on this song. You're mentioned in this song. You're not actually on any song because you were <laughs> you were busy. You know, you, your yeah. life was in a different direction. But you know, we've rapped together. Uh, we rapped <laughs> together in high school. Good. We had a lot of like rap related projects. It was just a big part of uh, our life. Um, I know that you have. You mentioned the the songs you, you made for your boat. You also have a rap song. Uh, <laughs> you want to talk about that? Because I think you, that was a fiber thing All as right. well, right? Yeah. So I, I started several years back a YouTube channel called Defense Lawyers Watching uh, Videos. And it was sort of like almost a spoof on like reaction channels. You know, these people who like watch videos and react, but it was it's me and my buddy Ray, who's a tall guy with, you know, long hair. You wouldn't look at this guy and say he's a lawyer. And we are kind of watching. It started as sort of an assault on uh, that TV show Live PD, which I hated. So we'd watch Live PD clips and we would start talking about everything that's going wrong and what people should be doing and something like that. And we got one one video on there. I think it's got 30,000 views. And at some point we decided we needed to give back to the community. Um, and the kids today don't really know what to do. So I went on Fiverr and for like 30 or 40 bucks. I had a guy with a rapping puppet uh, make, <laughs> make a video, make a video that I, I call an educational video about how to deal with the police. So uh, it's called, I think it's called Don't Talk to the Police, something simple like it's that. And it's, it's brilliant. brilliant. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Every so child think, should that sounds watch amazing. It. Do you yeah. think a uh, rapping puppet guy has a, is in, in trouble with getting uh, replaced by AI? You know, it's funny you say that because rapping puppet guy... <laughs> Rapping puppet guy put his video up and I got a copyright strike. So he was stealing somebody's stuff. So um, <laughs> I think rapping puppet guy should be concerned about AI. But um, no, I mean, that, but that's a perfect example of somebody who's like, I don't know that AI could have replicated what this guy did for me because it's not <laughs> there's not something out there like that. Right. There's not AI doesn't really have a, a body of something to draw on. This is a completely new thing. And he took it in a different direction. So. I think I think he'll continue to make those five dollars at a time on Fiverr. But that but that process sounds very similar to what I just went through. Right, you were giving this feeding this guy some information, and he was running with it. Right, it was the old version of your process. Yeah, I I, um, I gave him I sent him a thing with five or six prompts. This is what kind of what I want it to be about. I want this kind of tone. It's got to be directed at kids, and uh, you know, like here's an example where maybe the kid shouldn't talk to a police or whatever. And then uh, <laughs> you know, like an hour later, I got a video. It was, it was magic. So. Uh, on this bio, it says the Duker, uh, the title, the fool, specializing in nothing. It says appears on not a whole lot right now. Like leaving the like, is there possibility <laughs> for uh, a solo joint coming out uh, 25 years after this uh, was actually published? I, I th yeah, it's like Flavor Flav solo album, right? It's coming <laughs> at some point. Yeah, I don't think so. I think my rapping days are behind me, unfortunately. I, so, you know. I want to say, like, I, actually, I wanted to bring this up because... Was there, I think I wrote a verse for you at some point for some song. So there was, Did we try I, it? I showed up once and we kind of put a verse together. Some of which you didn't like. It was rewritten and then Brad recorded it on something. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Okay. I made, um, if I recall correctly, I made a reference to the old high school basketball coach you didn't like. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> completely justified. <laughs> One of the, I'm gonna. One of the things that I actually <laughs> discovered through this old website, which I actually absolutely just put out of my mind, I had, I had no idea there was going to be an, one more song in this album, and it was called "Drop the Bomb." And I think it because Casmo was supposed to be on it, and we may have. I didn't realize this until I saw this like a month ago, and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." But then it never, it never materialized, and it, that might have been. It might have been something that I think you were going to be on, and it it just never came together. Yeah, and 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 who knows? Because um, I mean, just you know, law school is just such a grind. And I don't remember when you came out with this, but you go from law school right into bar studying, into the bar exam, and then you just want to melt. So, <laughs> you know, it might have been possible you came to me at some point and wanted to do that, but I just didn't have the ability to do it mentally. Yeah. yeah. One, I, we're getting long on time, but one thing I wanted to mention, Jason, <laughs> you might not be aware of this. Speaking of parody songs, I wrote a happy birthday rap song <laughs> for Matt. I have, I have that somewhere still. Uh, really? Yeah. I, is it uh, HBD yeah. based on OPP? I do remember. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You download HBD. Yeah, you know me. Filmed it in Brad's I'm, basement. I'm, I'm pretty sure I asked you at some point what OPP meant. Yeah. I don't. Other, I don't think you gave me the real other answer. people's property. Property. <laughs> HBD. How can I explain it? Take it from my frame. It. I think Lauren's in there. Yeah, we had every like we had a bunch of people. You, you had been doing something else because like every Friday or Saturday night we were like there were like twenty five of us that hung out together. So yeah. I don't know how we maneuvered uh, without you, but we recorded this video. Yeah, you did it in Brad's basement. So I think yeah. Jason Jens is in there. No, no. No, he's not. He's not. There's a reference. Oh, yeah, there's a reference. to him. I will say, so I mentioned that I lived at your house. And the other thing we sort of touched on a little bit is one of the reasons your, your house was sort of like Grand Central Terminal is because you had a sister who was a year younger than you mm-hmm. and a sister who was two years older than you. So yeah. what, there was this window where we... <laughs> And our, and our high school was what, like a hundred, it was like 600 people. Right. Yeah. But yeah. because you had siblings and two, we had like three of the grades covered. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We were all uh, at the same time. And then I guess Brad's sister was a year younger than Lauren. Right. So there was like this, mm-hmm. we had all this coverage of all these classes and all these people that knew everybody They were all kind of coming in and out. But me live basically living at your house, your older sister, Kristen didn't really like me that much at the time. <laughs> She's just like, who's this? Who's this hanger on? He's always really here. Long He's eating build up. I, yeah. And I never got the impression your brother John liked me, Jim. So there you go. <laughs> but anyways, I remember the HBD thing, and then we had the lyrics written out or whatever. And your sister saw it, and she's like, "Oh, this is actually pretty good." <laughs> so I was like, "Hey, I got a little nod from Kristen, who's like never go. shown any kindness to me over the she last." Was a senior. <laughs> senior when we were sophomores she didn't have time for us yeah yeah but but half of her friends ended up on the wego bombers right yeah there you go at some point all right well mat the duker it was so wonderful to hang out with you <laughs> providing your legal 
insight <laughs> to our, towards our little podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out. Don't steal music. <laughs> and don't talk to the police. Those are, I feel like, the two big lessons. Especially if you're stealing music. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you can listen to all of the tracks from today on, on the SoundCloud. That's going to be in the description someplace. The old album is on YouTube. You can check out MAT The Duker's profile on the Wayback Machine archive, web archive, myskills.com. Oh, we will be posting it to social media too for sure. <laughs> with this episode. I hit you with the link for Don't Talk to the Police too. Feel free to post that. Oh, yeah. We'll you do want. that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, your defense attorney reactions YouTube channel. It's I, I, that sounds cool to me. I'm going to check that out. <laughs> I, um, there's only one piece. Again, I never drank in my life, but there's only one piece of legal advice that I remember from that. And it's no fields, no blow. No, right? Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. That's if you watch this part of the shtick, right? If you watch some of our stuff, people will be doing that. And you'll hear me in the background like, don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Matt. Great talking to you, Jim. Great talking to you guys. Always a pleasure. That was awesome hanging out uh, with you guys. Yeah, take it easy. Uh, Mom and dad, if you're still listening, love you guys. <laughs> I love you guys too, man. Your folks are the best. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're great people. Yeah, all my best to your folks too, Duker. All we'll right, I'll soon. let them know. All right, love Thanks, you guys. guys. We'll see you. Absolutely. Love you guys. Take it easy. Peace. Been ready for this game since the day I went to college. Build my skills, mix of instinct with pure knowledge. Stay focused, you're hoping, scoping out the scene. Watch the player haters getting hooked like dope fiends. You chase dreams that'll never come true. I create dreams, do what I gotta do, and keep my bomber crew. Dopest thing out the streets. The Jimmy C, DOG, DJ Light on the beats. We slip and we slide. The East is my side. Full ride, you an eye full of ILL pride. I in I, don't deny. It's Jimmy Guy, full health, undercover stealth like a spy with persistence. Despite resistance, I receive the gift to give you what you need. Built for speed, be ready, it's your turn. Our beats can make your stomach churn. So pay attention, learn to respect the game. Respect your back. Not the fame, the women or the Cadillacs. It's the Jimmy to the sea. Nothing but the dog in me. Dog in me. The Jimmy to the sea, he's the pick of the litter. Like the DOC, no one can do it better, never bitter. I eat four milk bones for dinner. Take down a greyhound and call me the winner. Wag my tail, chase the mail, bark at the girl. Free the pound, put it down all around the world. My DJ cuts a record down, T.O. the bone. While the deal double, rocks the microphone. After strays, always try to follow me home. Leave me alone, this is the player dog zone. Don't you know, no? So what's your story? You should've known, cause I'm off my territory. See me smash this, running loose with no leash, no fleas. Release, getting chased by the police. Who's the boss? Like Randy Moss, the receiver. I go deep and get it like a retriever. Come in the night and save you like a reliever. Catch the fever, turn an atheist into a believer. Vicious as hell, got him wagging the tail with the bow wow. Dubby style, yeah. It's the Jimmy to the sea. Yeah. Nothing but the dog in me, dog in me. It's the Jimmy to the sea. Yeah. Nothing but the dog in me, dog in me. <laughs>
One, two, three, agree there's a dog in me. And if the dog's in you, then say woof. Let's raise this roof and come strong like a 180 proof. This verse is for all the ladies, ladies. I'm telling you straight up, Word. so don't hate me. They always mad at they man, never seem to understand. Always bouncing from boyfriend to boyfriend. Check it out. The truth is, every man is a dog. dog. Quit trying to change him, he ain't nothing but a dog. dog. So knickknack, shack attack, give your dog a bone. Put him in the doghouse, and he'll feel at home. Word. You say that men are dogs, well, true that. Quit complaining and get your man back. There's the deal, Jimmy C. Always keep it on the real with a display of skill. Like the man of steel. Drop the bomb, drop, drop the bomb. Six minutes, doggy dog, your own.